It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, Let's go in the lab. Welcome one, welcome all. We're glad you're with us. My name's Drew Doherty. I've got my good pal John Harris. We're in the lab. And John, I was was literally in a lab last weekend because the Texans were off Thursday night football. Kind of gave us a baby bye. So uh, my wife and I went to the wine country in yep. Paso Robles, California. It's like the central part of the state. It's not Napa Valley per right. se. And we were touring this winery, and it was we went through like where they have the big casks where they put the stuff in, and then we're turning the corner to go into where they actually store it yep. and age it. And they call this the gun barrel alley they have. But to the right, there was this there's this beautiful lab. I mean, it was like state-of-the-art, like a James Bond laboratory with all beakers and stuff. Like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman? No, like 10 times as nice as that. Oh, it was wow. permanent. It wasn't on wheels either. And I took took well, some pictures. And Walter I'm gonna... White's eventual lab was very nice. Yeah, see, I'm still early in that. I'm only in season two. Of yeah, you're, once you bad. get to three or four, you'll But no, I, I'm, I'm guessing that this was much nicer. This was like maybe if Walter White was cooking in the chemistry lab at school yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was souped up. Because yeah. this was beautiful, and I'm going to superimpose your head on uh, my friend's body because I, okay. s- I I saw an opportunity, and I I said, "Hey, come stand next to me. We're going to hold these beakers." And we took pictures. How are you, dude? That's I'm a long okay. Story. I'm all right. Sorry. I'm, I saw that picture of of the lab, and I, it brought back memories of having taught physics and being in labs and all my engineering <laughs> classes. I was like, uh, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, I this don't is, want that. This anymore. is as close as you get to that. Yeah, because you got you and I. We nerd out. We go a little bit deeper. We come up with wacky drafts, usually in the offseason, like name the five Oilers that you would love to place on this team, but they have to be Oilers from the run-and-shoot era, and they can't be Warren Moon, stuff like that. Hey, before we get going, we want to remind you to listen on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and if you do listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a comment. Leave us one of those star ratings. Let us know how we're doing because, hey, uh, we want to get better. We uh, want you to love us. Most of all, we just want you to listen. So today... Because it's the halfway point, that snuck up on me very, very quickly. Wait, wait, wait. You mean after the Texans play this Thursday nighter, it's going to be eight games in? Holy moly. feels like we just left for the Green Bar in West Virginia. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I looked up, like, all right, five and three, halfway. Th- I mean, I just immediately just doing the math as soon as I saw eight. Like, oh, halfway through. Wait, wait halfway through? I it it's interesting because I always think of halfway through once we're at the the open week and we have not gotten there yet. We'll be there after nine weeks, but mm-hmm. most of the time the open the the open week has come right after eight games. I think I think fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. It was week nine, mm-hmm. so it was like right smack dab in the middle. So yeah. it literally was the halfway point. Very Last symmetrical, year, yeah, and which was great for me. But then last year it came <laughs> in week seven, so it was early. Then this year I hate it's coming those. in. I hate, week. I hate it when they're. That's like a disservice when you have them in week four. I know yeah. we we haven't seen that in a while here. We have it in week ten this year, and I think what's even more I like that odd is we played three games in twelve days, mm-hmm. and now we're going to play one in twenty four. I like that. So it's just a little. It's a little strange, but it allows guys hopefully to get healthy and. Get ready for this. It's not really a sprint down the stretch. I compared it to like the 400 meters because mm-hmm. the 400 meters is a sprint, but 
not really. It's not like the hundred or two hundred. It's a little. It's a little different from that. I mean, you're you're sprinting, but it's such a long. You got to pace that sprint. Yeah, you got to pace that sprint. So from that perspective, those these last seven games are just. It's different. It's not like the yeah. marathon that the season is, but just having a Thursday night game and those three and twelve days that you win and you get through those and you win, and now you got one game in twenty four days. And the thing is, you'll still be in first place no matter what happens. Right. After this game in Denver doesn't mean that you just go out there and slough it off, obviously, because you want to continue to just keep building momentum and keep playing well and stacking W's as you stack them. And, you know, who knows what you're able to do. And and I looked at the the rest of the schedule going forward. You know, week nine, we got the Broncos. The Titans go to Dallas on a Monday night, Mm -hmm. and Dallas has been all kinds of good. Now, the Colts and Jags are a bye, so they're going to be at three and five and three and five. Right. So by the time you get into week 10, let's say you win, you're six and three. The Jags and Colts are both three and five. Yep. And it, as you go into your bye, and then the Titans got Dallas, and then the Titans get the Patriots. Yeah. The following week. That's a that's a nasty two step right there with the Absolutely. Cowboys the way they're playing, and then the Patriots being the Patriots. Yeah. And then the Jags play the Colts during the uh-huh. the Texans bye, so you win and lose actually a little in that one. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk, anyhow, we'll talk about this at another time. But uh, two things: I think the Colts are all the way back despite that record, and that's going to be the team you're going to have to worry about this season, uh, not just down the line, for sure down the line, but I think this season. Uh, but I want to talk about the Texans, John. Okay. And I want to talk about, since it is the halfway point and we're looking back, I want the most pleasant surprise of the first eight games for the Texans. And before you answer, I'm going to steal it because I'm going with Kareem Jackson. Good one. Kareem has been consistent in his time here as a Texan. I think he's been an above-average defender. This year, however, I think he's been more of a playmaking defender. And it's pretty amazing because he switched his positions, but then he kind of has to switch back to what he was, which was a corner, and he's been playing in a lot of different spots. But look at this. In six of the eight games this year, John, he's had either an interception and or a forced fumble, and or a fumble recovery, and or a tackle for loss. He's had one of those in six of eight games. He's got 47 tackles on the year, four TFLs. He's still a sure tackler, but he's making plays on the ball. He's around the ball. I have loved his impact on this defense, John. Well, people notice what Kareem has done. Dave Damashek who writes for NFL.com, uh-huh. works for NFL.com, and Dave's very funny. He's always kind of off the beaten path a little bit. He's got a wacky bone. Yeah. he. Well, he decided to do a serious bone, if you will, mm-hmm. and he came up with his top 100 players right now, and he said he's going to update it throughout the year, but he decided to do it as we approached week eight. So he, had, he hasn't updated it uh, since, but he said he's going to update it as we go. And... J.J. Watt comes in at 15. Okay. DeAndre, DeAndre comes in at 21, which that was – he put this out the day before. I think that's before. a little low. He put this out the day before DeAndre made that catch, which got everybody's attention. So I which that catch? Was a little low. Which catch? Well, take your pick. Exactly. Like the spin one or the uh, the between the legs last Yeah, between I, the legs is the one oh, I was thinking of. That's criminally uh, low then. He's got Clowney at 52. He's got Deshaun at 56, which I think is, is, is low. He needs to be way up higher. He's got Tyron at 57. So as I was kind of firing through, and the way he's got this thing, he's got like the first names kind of 
kind of bold and big. I think I saw this, yes. And then it kind of goes down and down and down. And so I just was like, well, I guess, okay, that's kind of it. And so I started going through there. I was like, oh, you know, there's Calvin Ridley, Levante David, there's Kareem Jackson, there's Josh Go. Wait, Kareem Jackson? He's got Kareem Jackson, number 74. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty, it was pretty interesting. Deserves it. Yeah. Uh, He's been a playmaker. Absolutely. I mean, that's the way you describe it. Okay, so – this is our this is our surprise most pleasant surprise most pleasant it, it, surprise. it doesn't have to be a player no, I got it, it I got could it. be something else no, this know? one's easy okay the, to me special teams yeah that's a great one I think if you take away which I know you can't but just the brain cramp that was against Tennessee in that punt thing yep and then Trevor Daniel in that game had one punt we've talked about this plenty especially after that week when Trevor had that punt that went into the end zone that could have it could have pinned Tennessee down in deep, right. and it didn't. And that, that, was a, that was a tough, tough moment. Other than that, I feel like the special teams have been really solid yeah. to a point where kickoff return, they don't even give Tyler Irvin kickoff returns anymore because he was so good getting it out beyond the 25. So uh-huh. they're just like, just take the ball at 25. I don't, I don't know if he's had a return in the last few weeks. They're just kicking it through the end But zone. whenever he does, he always gets plus 25 yards. Hey, exactly. He gets beyond the 25 by exactly. at least a yard. And so they're just yeah. saying, hey, look, your returns are so good right now. We're just not even going to take a chance. We're just yeah. going to give you the ball at 25. His punt returns, I think, have been really good. He had one the other day. He got the, the block in the back. But he's getting more and more confident with the punt returns. I think the coverage has been really good. You think about A.J. Moore in Jacksonville pinning that ball at the one with the way Trevor's punted it. I think Kaimi has kicked the ball very well. Well, John, you bring up the pin. It's it's rare that you see a return get past the twenty five too. Yeah, they had. I one mean, they've, re- they've been great about that. The one return that Jacksonville got was it Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville got a decent return. I'm trying to remember who that was. It was a punt. Uh, the twenty one yard. Yeah, and that's really the only return that they've of substance. They, they've yeah. given up of any kind of substance. Tavon Austin had one that was a decent one, but the defense came up big right after that uh, to get the ball back at that point in the game against Dallas. But I think overall the special teams, and one of the things I love about the special teams is the fact that these are guys that understand what their role is and not only accept it, but they accept the fact that they can impact the game on special teams. They know that, oh, and we forgot to block punt. I mean, the, the, the game against Buffalo is basically won on special teams. Yeah. They force a fumble Brent on the opening Scarlett, kickoff. Yeah. They get the muff punt. They fall on that. Brent Scarlett gets that. Then Terrell Adams blocks the punt, and Brent Scarlett picks it up. Special teams won that game against Buffalo, basically. So, to me, the the pleasant surprise is, and, and surprise is maybe the strong strong word with this because we thought I, they no, would be I don't better. think this. I don't think this is surprise at all. But I, mean, I, 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 I don't think be, that's a, a stretch to use that word at all because we are conditioned and have been conditioned to see what we've seen in the last decade. Well, I, I, that from that I think it's an excellent yeah. choice from that from that standpoint. Yeah, I think. I think because of what it's been, if you're anticipating it staying the same, you know, then yes, it is a surprise. But I think we saw that it was going to change. But I don't know that we thought it would have kind of a sea change yeah, I thought, like this. I think we thought it'd be better because yeah. of Brad Seeley and everything. Right. But, I mean, he has just turned it on its ear. Like, look at, okay, you, re- you replace Shane Leckler, one of the greatest punters ever, guy we love, with a rookie punter. This guy's tied for fourth in the NFL, John, yep. with punts inside the 20. I mean, just about every punt he, he drops is inside the opponent's 20. He's done a great job yeah. of flipping the field position. And it's not just him. It's the guys around him. But, yeah, it's been really impressive. Yeah, he's been he's been good. The special teams have been good. Kaimi's kicked it. And 
Now you go to Denver, where special teams can Should be feast. Yeah, yeah, with the altitude and and that kind of thing. It'd be very interesting to see what the 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 process is. Now in that game, Isaiah McKenzie is a punt returner for for Denver, who is is a mighty might, but he's got some good returns because he was hurt on a return. So I don't know what that will mean. I don't. I saw him go down. I was watching the game, and I saw him go down. I saw them deal with him, and then they went to a commercial. Came back, and they didn't really. They didn't really go back to what happened, so I don't know if he'll be in the game. Now, he can be dynamic, so that's going to definitely be a key. But I just feel like the special teams overall, I think Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith have done a great job with it. Going with Trevor Daniel over Shane Leckler was controversial for a lot of people, but I think that's he's proven his worth with what he's been able to do. I think Kaimi's done a really nice job. I think the cover units have really taken a lot of pride in how they're doing things, and they yeah. understand their role and their impact in the game, and I think that's exactly what you want. So those, that's my pleasant surprise. Excellent surprise, John. I like it. Okay. Favorite moment from the first half. Go ahead. You sure you don't want to do Snake and you nope. can stay on it? No, you go. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Since 2016, every time the Texans are at home and trailing and within striking distance late, say five minutes to play, I will head down to the Southwest Tunnel mm-hmm. because I finished my last hit up on the video board here at home around like the six-minute mark, head down to the tunnel, and if they're trailing late, I stand in the tunnel with John Shriver, who's in charge of ticketing here, does an excellent job, and then Blaine Foreman with LSSE, the Texas Bowl, Avocare Texas kickoff. Yep. And the three of us will kind of stand there and watch the end of the game. The Texans invariably wind up winning. They pull it out. Well, let's, let's go back to the game against Buffalo. Texans are 2-3, and three, still kind of wobbly, uh, yeah. you know, and they're tr- you know, it's tied up, and you don't know what's going on. Bills get the ball, and Jonathan Joseph gets a pick six. Yep. Second and 10, Bills from there, 25. Peterman takes the snap. He's looking left. He throws that way. It's picked off by Jonathan Joseph across the 15-10-5. Rock and roll. The Texans go in front on the pick six. Comes right into the corner, and I was I was having a fun time. I love that. It, it was just an exhilarating I moment. I telestrated you into you it. You telestrated it, and I, I was very uh, flattered by that. Yep. But it was just such a fun moment, it, and I know people say, uh, you got that game gifted to you by Nathan. P-. I don't give Couldn't a rat's ass. Couldn't I mean, I had a, a, a really fun time. We love what we do, and that's like game days are the best part of our job, even when you lose, and that was a big win. It was a fun moment. It was a late clinching interception. That was my fun moment of the first half, John. Okay, I got one on the field, and I got one off the field. Okay, that's that's allowed here. Off the field, I think my favorite moment, and none of us, nobody, nobody in this building was a part of it, really, other than maybe about five people. And that was a 12-and-a-half-hour bus ride one way to Jacksonville, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I just feel like that moment yeah. was just there, – there's there's a lot that goes with that moment. First of all, him deciding to play. Yep. How are you going to get there? Yep. Well, I don't know. Y'all get me there, and I'll play. And they get this rock-and-roll tour bus. He goes with a few of the guys. Uh, he's got security detail. He's got a trainer. Uh, trainer. He's got, I think, Luke Strength is on the, there. Yeah, he's got a little bit of everybody on there. And he just gets in the bus and he drives. And he beats all of us to Jacksonville. He's in the production meeting before anybody. Wakes up the next day, beats Jacksonville. 
Doesn't have a statistically great day, but made key throws at key times throughout the day. Got Got the the job job done. done. Hopped back in the bus. Drove back here, and we found out before the game. Now, we we knew beforehand. We knew what the deal was because, obviously, we travel on the team plane. So, we knew what the deal was. But it became publicly known when Jay Glazer reported it. And so, it became this talking point after the game. And everybody was asked about it. And it was just the, the reactions to it were just sort of hilarious. And then the way that he reacted the next day when he, you know, they got back here dark 30 in the morning, and when he was asked about it, he was like, yeah, we stopped in Tallahassee Steakhouse. You know, I just, I don't know, I watched the film and <laughs> got it, my questions ready, started digging in for for uh, Miami on Thursday night, and then five days later or four days later against Miami, he throws five touchdowns. Lit him up. four incompletions. So to me, the bus right off the field. On the field, on the field, it's the spinorama uh-huh. against Dallas. Second and nine for the Houston 24. Watson in the gun. Two receivers left. Hopkins to the right side. QT in motion to the right. Watson fakes the pass to QT. Now throws it downfield to his left. Has Hopkins across the 45. 50. 45 of Dallas. Spin move. 40. 35. DeAndre Hopkins inside the 30. Down to the 27-yard line. What a catch and run by Nuke. That was a game, again, sort of teetering on the brink of you won at Indian overtime, uh-huh. and you get that w- improbable win. Somehow you get that win. I mean, you got a twenty-eight to ten lead. You're ready to put them, you know, six feet under, and you can't finish them. But yet you somehow get a you get a break. You make the play, and I I thought about that play too. I was down there in the tunnel for that one too. I, I, that play beforehand, where before you kicked the field goal, and be Indy. So now you're sitting there at one and three, and now you got Dallas, and you've moved the ball all night. You've moved it all night long. But you just can't get the ball in the damn end zone. You just can't do it. And then you're sitting there in overtime, and Deshaun beat up beyond belief. Yep. And you just had that up and down end of the fourth quarter where you hit QT on the third down with 27 seconds left, and you're thinking, man, just get this thing into you know, get this thing in a field goal range. Kaimi will bury one, and we'll win this thing and, and celebrate. And then he, the pick when he gets hit. And you're like, oh, i got to go to overtime. Then you stop him in overtime. You get the ball now at second and nine. And you're like, how much time is left? Man, is time a factor here? Okay, what can we do? And before you look, before you even kind of contemplate all that, he throws one to Hop. And then Hop just starts spinning and breaking tackles. And the crowd is just electric. And it was like, oh, my, oh holy crap. Keeps having moments. That's three successive weeks where he's had just – a wild mm-hmm. highlight. Yeah. He did that one. Then he goes to Jacksonville and has the one-hander against Ramsey. And then last week, he does the catch that doesn't count. That's the greatest catch we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I almost picked that one because it's just – I think that – I actually was upset with that one because they called offensive pass interference. And then they kept showing the replay on the video board, and I was just – we were all just kind of chuckling like, call. holy yeah. cow. But to me, Spinorama was was the – that was my that was my favorite moment. Just to, the, First of all, the throw – the throw has got to be perfect. Yep. On that kind of route and the way that he was running, and it was, and then Hop then does the rest, and then a Kaimi buries it, beating Dallas. It's and it's one of those feelings you have afterwards where you know Deshaun was just beat to you know what, and yet they still found a way to win that game. I mean, that was just that was incredible. The J. Joe moment would be up there. I mean, trying to narrow it down for these eight games is really, really tough. It is. I mean, really tough. All right, so we're going to move on now. Matchups to watch versus the Broncos, and I'm going to do the easy one, John. I'm sorry. You can go more obscure, but I need the tackles and the tight ends and the running backs 
to all join forces and keep Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller off of Deshaun Watson. I think that's that's one of the, the keys to watch. It was interesting. Back when the Texans had a real salty team in 2012, mm-hmm. went here in week three, I believe it was, yeah, to week Denver. Three. You're 2-0. Uh, Vaughn Miller playing really well in his second year. You got Derek Newton starting, really, for the first season of his career. And there were some shaky moments. Gave up a gave up a sack for a safety, I think, mm-hmm. to make it five nothing Broncos, and then Texans just kind of ran away from them and uh, played keep away the rest of the game. But yeah, I think you got to keep your uh, your quarterback healthy. Got to keep him upright. They're going to get theirs. They're too good not to. You know, he's going to get a sack, I think, or two. One of those guys will. But uh, you got to got to got to limit the damage against that pass rush. It's so funny you say that because and he hasn't been sacked in seven quarters. Um, it's so funny you say that because I was actually – my key was going to build off that and say, I know you, everybody's probably thinking this, but mine was going to be the interior guys against Derek Wolf in particular because okay. I think Wolf every time that we've played them in 16 and I think in 13-2 when he was there, Wolf is a problem. He's always been a problem. He's hard to handle inside. It's He's, a tough matchup for this – Offense especially. Yeah, he really is. And so that, so I'll build off of that. Okay. Yes, you ha- you got to protect Vaughn and Chubb, but I think you have to be able to run the ball. And to be able to do that, you're going to have to control inside. And that's that to me means you got to block Derek Wolf, And you gotta, you've got to move him off the ball. And he is so difficult to do. He's not – he's 295. I mean, he's not a 340-pound Damon Harrison snacks kind of run stuffer. But he's so good. He's so quick. He's a lot like JJ in that regard. Like slithery. very difficult. Yes, yeah. slithery and slippery. But I so I'm going to tack that on to yours, okay, and come up with another one on my own, and that's going to end up being whoever plays corner against Cortland Sutton. SMU's Cortland Sutton. Yes, Cortland Sutton. Yes, SMU's Cortland Sutton. Not SMU's Emmanuel Sanders. Right. So there are two players from SMU in this game. Is that all of them? Are there more? Uh, there might be more, but those are two of the greatest receivers in SMU history. Raymond Berry being the best. Yeah, of Hall of Famer. Of course. For the Colts. They didn't have any receivers during the Pony Express era. Sure they did. Bobby Leach caught the, he he caught was, that touchdown. He wasn't a receiver. He was a track Tech. guy. At he was Texas a track Tech. guy. I know. Uh, look what I found. Touchdown for <laughs> SMU and Bobby Leach. That's my bad Keith Jackson. <laughs> um but I think Sutton Sutton worries me probably as much as anybody because I don't know what happens with Demarius Thomas today being the trade deadline day. I don't know what happens with Demarius Thomas, but my gut tells me that he's going to get moved. Mm-hmm. So that means it's going to be Cortland Sutton, and Sutton is a he is a fifty fifty ball waiting to happen catch. Like he's so good with the ball in the air. And who do you have playing corner this week for you? And I, and I, that to me is more the issue. We'll because, find out more about that Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, really. of course, because J. Joe's banged up. Hopefully, you get Sharice right back in some capacity. That will definitely help. That'd be nice. But Kevin Johnson remains on IR. I think Colvin is maybe set to come back after the bye. So I don't know if you're going to have him. So I think you're going to be sort of thin at corner, and all of a sudden you got to go up against a guy that's got basketball size uh-huh. and basketball like skills with. With tremendous with wide receiver SMU attributes. Smarts, SMU smarts, too. Sure. And I think that could be, end up being a tough matchup. And to your point, we were kind of talking about this before we started the podcast. 
about Case just kind of catching fire and just rolling around, scrambling around, making plays. I mean, we saw that in 13 when he was Seen here. That, yeah. We saw it in 14. He can kind of scramble around and make a play. And one of the best ways to do it is scramble around, is throw it up, and go get, let your guy go get it. And uh-huh. I think that's where Sutton becomes a problem. He had a big catch against the Chiefs down the field, which led to a Broncos touchdown. So I think on the defensive side, yes, they're going to run the football. The linebackers have got to play well, especially if there's no Zach Cunningham in this one. The front has really got to swallow that up. Yeah, They've got to, and I hate to say this for them, they got to put away the 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 ideas of a bunch of sacks. Yeah. Until it is, hey, we're up by 14, 17, and all they can do is throw. Because if they're running upfield, then Lindsey and those running backs are going to run right by him. The offensive line is a good run-blocking offensive line. So that's a big part, too. But I think the way that Case can create in a pocket and move around and make some plays down the field, he's going to look for Sutton. And, and I think that's a problem. And that could be one of those double-edged swords. Uh, sorry to use the cliche, because... Texans in this five-game winning streak are plus five in turnover differential. So you're right. When the sunset on uh, the Sunday where they lost to the Giants, they were minus two on the season. That was tied for 24th in the NFL. Mm. Since then, they've gone uh, plus one, even, even, plus three, plus one successive games. So now they're plus three on the season. That's tied for 10th in the league. That's a big reason the Texans are now five and three. Yep. Because you're doing it on both sides. Yes, you are. You're not you're just generating clean. all those turnovers. You're clean with the football. You know, unlike the, the Browns, like the Browns are number one in the league in turnover margin. Yeah. They can't do anything with it once they get it. It's either field goals or it's touchdowns. Yeah. But they're plus 10. They're plus 10. Mm-hmm. And they can't do anything with it offensively. Lately, the Texans have been taking turnovers and putting the ball in the end zone. And that's been a big thing. Yes, it has. You're a big thing, John. Thanks so much for doing this podcast. It's fun going in the lab with you as always. I wish we had a Brown University alum playing in the game so we could uh, kind of balance yeah. things out, but we don't. It's tough. It's tough. I know. Uh, but yeah. uh, We any, do have a Brown University alum coaching. Any, yeah. That's, so well, that. you do. Uh, anytime I can shout out SMU, my alma mater, I will. So <laughs> that's why I was doing that. We thank you all for listening. All right. Have a good one, John. 